Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And the thing I love about the GameTime app is it's so simple and easy to use. You can click in there if you're looking for a sporting event. Gives you like the the perspective from the seats you might be looking at buying. Uh, I, I'm a big music fan, and so you know I don't even worry about trying to track what might be coming to Seattle out where I live. Uh, I just go and open that thing up, and it shows me everything. And and you know from from the big from the big groups like Kenny Chesney's coming right now, and that's popular, and they have that there. But there's you know all kinds of more obscure music out there. I was a big big head Todd and the Monsters fan in in the '90s. Uh, listened to that Sister Sweetly uh, album over and over again. I just saw they're coming in January. I didn't even know about it, but now I'm it's got my interest peaked. So I just basically use it uh, for discovery of things that are going on in my neck of the woods. You can do the same as well. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store, app store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Funston, and joined as always by Roto Evil himself, Mr. Eric Wong. Eric, welcome back from, uh, we're, we're post-Thanksgiving now. Did you have a good holiday? I did. What's up, Brandon? How are you doing? Good. Good to be talking to you again. Uh, we did, the last time we uh, had a podcast, we kind of did our all-decade team. Uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, but it's time to start getting back to the here and now and talking about what's going on in the NBA fantasy hoops uh, this season. So we'll dive into that, but first, uh, if you want to follow me at Twitter, you can follow me at Brandon Funston. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil. And you can check out Eric's columns at uh, The Athletic. You can follow The Athletic at uh, at The Athletic FS uh, for his fancy columns. Um, this week, Eric talked about the top 25 center. So we're kind of uh, you know into the season. Eric did his preseason player rankings, and now about a month and a half in, it's time to kind of like take another look back and see you know who who's been moving up, who's been moving down who we were right about, who we weren't right about. And uh, so we'll dive into that in a second. But if you're interested in getting a subscription to The Athletic for 40% off, just go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. And a, a subscription will allow you to check out all of our NBA podcasts, including No Dunks, Back to Back, Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge, and The Daily Ding. We have several great team-specific NBA podcasts as well. So check that out. And with that... Let's start talking top 25 centers uh, as of right now. And as I mentioned, Eric did his rankings in the preseason. And so here we are, uh, you know, we have some actual games to look at and we can reassess, you know, it's, just, it's that time of year where it's a time of reflection, uh, you know, as we get towards the end of the year. So we're going to reflect on Eric's fantasy basketball rankings and where things have moved. So uh, are you ready to dive into the centers, Eric? Uh, again, you, you had the column out uh, on the site at The Athletic, so you can read that as well. But we're going to uh, dig into it right here. Um, so we'll start right at the top. Why don't you tell us who your number one center is? 
Yeah, I figure uh, we'll we'll go over the top ten and then a few other guys. Uh, and yeah, worth pointing out that not all big men are going to show up here. Uh, kind of saved the guys that play power forward, even though obviously like Anthony Davis uh, gives you the center stats and you're probably more interested in playing him at center. But uh, as far as pure centers go, you have to go with Carl Anthony Towns in number one. He's putting up some unreal stats this year, uh, giving you the 25-plus points, 12-plus rebounds. His assists are up over four assists per game. Pretty decent steals and blocks um, while still shooting over 50% from the field and 80% from the free-throw line, which is what you expected. But the the three-point shooting has been unreal for him. Uh, He's currently at... 3.7 made threes per game, 8.7 three-point attempts on over 42% three-point shooting. And, I mean, that's pretty crazy when you consider that it wasn't too long ago when Steph Curry uh, was kind of the only guy making three-and-a-half threes per game. When he he, uh, made three-and-a-half threes per game in 2012-13, that was the NBA record, right? And now seven-foot center like Carl Anthony Towns is making and attempting even more threes than Curry did that year. And that's just the evolution of the game. And uh, what what you're seeing this year is just uh, teams jacking up threes and uh, a player like Towns is taking advantage of his diverse skill set. Yeah, I noticed in Basketball Monster, like in eight-category leagues, he's the only guy among the center group that is giving you a positive in all eight categories in terms of fantasy impact. And you'd mentioned in the column that uh, we haven't seen anybody really from the center position put numbers, these kind of numbers, uh, up since Kevin Love. But but Carl Anthony Towns is kind of like a 2.0 version of Kevin Love back in – 2013 14 his final season in minnesota which you know ironic it's two guys we're talking about that play with the t wolves but you know kevin love was uh you know unique i remember he came out he was a unique passer like a really good passer for center position and he could shoot from the outside and we're we're seeing as you mentioned the evolution of carl anthony towns's game where he's where he's making three-pointers he's actually i think I believe it's over four assists per game as you mentioned um yeah it's pretty unique and and pretty rare from the center position one thing i wanted to mention um what so when you're making your top 25 centers how did you decide um like which guys that are power forward center eligible that you weren't going to include here like like what is it because you know in in the modern game like the there's a it's a pretty blurred line between power forward and center a lot of times yeah definitely um you know for for starting lineups just kind of uh javel mcgee right has been starting a center and they do have dwight howard and those two have actually played more minutes than i expected at center for the lakers so that has kind of pushed uh davis to more power forward minutes. Um, so like Indiana, you have Sabonis and Turner. I'm going to put Sabonis with the power forwards, even though he's uh, definitely valuable as a center. Um, but they kind of play Turner there a little bit more. So more, it more has to do with the, with the lineup and, and if they're running another big alongside them, that's more of a center, you know, kind of a, a guy. Right. You're, you're pushing those guys to power forward. Okay. Um, all right, let's jump to number two. I like uh, you pulled out a stat for this guy. He's chasing Moses Malone's 1978-79 line of 17 points and 17 rebounds. Why don't you talk about Andre Drummond? 
Yeah, Drummond's been a beast. Uh, leading the league in rebounding once again. If he finishes the year, that would be his fourth rebounding title in the past five years, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, he's right now he's right over the 17-point mark and right under the 17-rebound barrier. Um, his assists are up as well, nearly double what he did last year. His blocks are up, two, two blocks per game for the first time in his career. And he's uh, shooting the ball a little bit, a little bit better, more efficient from both the field and the free throw line. And he's just super dependable, right? Like you know, fifteen and fifteen is is a is kind of a down game for him. And then he's got the upside for twenty twenty games. His stats were definitely better at the start of the season when Blake Griffin was out. But uh, one of the reasons why, when people asked if they said should sell high on Drummond, I said no, was because. We we didn't know how Griffin was going to look when he when he came back from his his health problems his his injuries and he he hasn't really looked like the player he was last year and I'd say it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to miss more games. Speaking of Griffin and that obviously gives Drummond the upside to to pump his stats back up. But even with Griffin in the lineup, he's he's been super dependable and I'd say uh, the number two center after Towns. Yeah, if. If we were to say that okay, Griffin's coming back or Griffin's back and he's not going to miss another game, would would Drummond still be your number two? Uh, yeah, I'd say that. I think I'd still put him at number two just because of what he's done. He's deserving of that ranking, but it would be much closer if you're talking in terms of like trade value. Maybe you would consider trading him for someone comparable. But I'd say I'd say it's still a safe bet that Griffin's going to miss. Uh, you know, at least a handful of games, if not if not weeks or or more, just given his past uh, recent injury history. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely forward looking on your list because it's not about what they've done to this point necessarily. Uh, since you have uh, DeAndre Ayton number four on your list, yeah. So so those were our first two, and then you went. Joel Embiid, DeAndre Ayton, and Nikola Jokic as your three, four, fives. Uh, so we can just kind of lump these guys together. But the reason I, I say it's forward-looking is Ayton's played one game. But uh, he's he's looking like he's a couple weeks away from a return. Uh, so we're about to have him back. And so this is kind of a mixed bag of guys. Uh, some, you know, you look at Jokic, I think he's the bigger disappointment. He's the guy that probably could have been higher on this list, but he's uh, he's struggling. I've watched him a few times, and I just haven't really been impressed. And you have some – you kind of – it seems like you've identified what his issue is so far and what he needs to do. So why don't you talk about these guys and maybe specifically Jokic's issues with his slow start? Right. I mean, Jokic is the biggest disappointment just because he was kind of a surefire first-round pick in nearly every draft that, that I was in. I don't think I saw him fall to the second round at all. So, you know, uh, he just he just isn't delivering. Uh, he averaged 20 points per game last year. Now he's under 15. He's had way too many single-digit scoring games. Um, you know, his rebounds and assists are still pretty dependable, but even his steals and blocks are down, and he, he wasn't much of a shot blocker to begin with. But his shooting is way down. He's attempting fewer shots uh, around the rim. He's kind of settling for more uh, for more jumpers. And uh, But I think it's more of Denver's, uh, the way they're using him, right? They they simply are using him as more of an initiator at the top instead of, posting him up and so you're seeing a a lack of aggression uh 
shots uh, further away from the rim. Last year, he averaged 4.4 free throw attempts per game. That's down to 2.7. So that just shows you that he's not he's not uh, getting it done there. And in my opinion, what Denver should do is start out the games with uh, just kind of posting him up, feeding it to him in the post, and trying to get him going offensively. Because we know he's always going to be a talented passer, right? Um, yeah. And uh, well, so I mean, they're they're the, the number two seed in the in the West right now. Do you think they're going to be motivated to make uh, you know big changes here, considering how much success they've had so far? Yeah, no, I mean it, it's working for them, and they do have uh, you know Jamal Murray has really stepped up his game this year, and they do have uh, like Will Barton has had a nice bounce back season. He's great at cutting off the ball, getting those Jokic passes. So yeah, I guess that's why I have him behind. Embiid and Aiton is because it's tough to see that uh, to see to see him improving by much. I think he'll pick it up a little bit, but it might not be the the season people expected. I just found a pretty good stat on Basketball Reference. Um, I usually I do like to look at the um, you can look at the field goal per, the percentage of field goals by the distance, the ranges, and then of course right. the the accuracy from those different zones, but they also have a stat that I sometimes forget about, which is the average distance per shot. Mm. And so last year, Joker was, his average shot was from 10.4 feet away. And I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Like he got a bigger chunk of close range shots, but then he obviously mixes in the the threes and the mid-range jumpers. But that's gone from 10.4 feet to 12.9 feet this year. Definitely speaks to his his kind of distancing himself from the from the rim for sure. Um, Embiid liked his number three ranking and went out and justified it last night with a twenty six twenty one line. Um, how do you feel about Embiid? Uh, the way he's being used, are you, are you confident in in you know his you know the the load management. How is things looking for Embiid, and and how impressed have you been with him so far? Right, so he did have that nice. 26 and 21 line yesterday and yet they still lost to the wizards so <laughs> yeah, that's a good point the sixers have not exactly been impressive especially offensively their defense has been very very sound in my opinion but they're definitely missing jj reddick and uh that might be evident in some of Embiid's stats he's having a a tougher time uh, with his efficiency this year under 46% shooting from the field, even though his three point shooting has actually gone up over last year. Uh, but uh, the, the thing uh, his fantasy owners probably aren't happy with is his minutes decline. He played nearly 34 minutes a game last year. That's down to 30 MPG this season. And obviously that's one of the reasons why they picked up Al Horford, right? Was that the, they could, rest Joel a little bit more to keep him fresh and kind of manage his workload. And that will probably continue because they definitely pushed him too hard in the regular season last year. And then he uh, kind of wore down in the playoffs. Right. And they'll, they'll be very cognizant of that this season, I think. So I would expect his minutes to kind of remain in the 30 range. And that kind of uh, hurts his stats a little bit. Uh, what about DeAndre Aiden mentioned that he's going to be back uh, soon. He's played one game. Um, 
was a, it was a good game. He had four blocks, as you mentioned. He only averaged one last year. I guess uh, what are your expectations for Aiton when he returns? Obviously, you have him in the top four, so you, you're pretty high on him. I, I maybe uh, what what we might want to hear most is what kind of impact is going to have on guys uh, the rest of the lineup. I mean, Devin Booker exploded for 44 points last night. The Suns are playing right around 500 basketball. Uh, Aiton's return. Who who maybe gets the negative impact the most in terms of uh, fantasy value? Right. Well, the two guys who were asked to play extra minutes with him out were uh, Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky, right? And Baines actually had a really nice run before he started having some injury issues. And Kaminsky has recently had some uh, some nice scoring games, at least. Uh, but he's kind of been up and down, and neither of those guys are used to playing 30 minutes a night, right? They've always been backups for most of their careers. So I think Aiton is just going to step in, step into the starting center role, play his 30 minutes a game, and... Uh, the, the, those two, Baines and Kaminsky, are going to get hit the hardest. Also, Chick Diallo has had some nice games for them, and he's going to see fewer minutes. Um, Dario Sarch has kind of been uh, iffy this season, and that will make him even more less or even less dependable, less reliable. Uh, but I think I think Booker will still be fine, and Kelly Oubre has has been so good on both ends of the ball that they need to keep him in the lineup. So I think those two guys will kind of maintain their value. And uh, Aiton, I'm optimistic about Aiton because the Suns' office has been quite efficient. They're top 10 in numerous categories. They have lots of shooters to spread the floor, which should uh, open up the paint for Aiton. Yeah, and Aiton, again, was a 25-game suspension for a banned substance. So I uh, believe he's eligible to return December 17th, so less than two weeks, uh, 11 days as we sit here today. Um, so I'm sure his owners are eagerly anticipating that. Uh, number six on your list is Bam, Bam Adebayo from Miami. He's been a defensive machine this year and, and uh, a true a true breakout. I think he was one of the you know the guys that everybody said, hey, this guy's going to really explode this year. And he has rewarded people who thought that you're one of those guys that was pretty high on him. Uh, you've been pretty happy with what he's done so far, I take it. Oh, yeah. He hasn't disappointed. Uh, pumped up his stats across the board. The only category where uh, he's declined is his free throw shooting, and that definitely has had a negative impact because he uh, is, gets fouled quite a bit, five and a half free throws per game, and shooting just just above 65% from the line. But otherwise, he's been money, and he's very similar to uh, Andre Drummond in the you know, both guys are super strong, big men, but yet they're very light on their feet, uh, very mobile, can switch on to smaller guards. And, uh, yeah, teams teams kind of shy away from him because he's been uh, such a stead on the defensive end. Doesn't get quite as many rebounds as Drummond, but still uh, racks up those steals and blocks and uh, scores efficiently and super dependable. And Miami's having a, a great year. All right, let's move on to number seven and number eight, who you kind of sounds like basically from reading your your column, uh, you maybe thought these guys were pretty close and maybe had similar games. Um, it's Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella. You went Capella seven, Gobert eight. And why do you talk about these guys' similarities and why you prefer one over the other? 
Right, yeah, definitely very similar players, both among the league leaders in field goal percentage like they are every year. They're over 65% from the field. Obviously, they get lots of dunks, close range, easy baskets. Uh, Capella is averaging uh, slightly more points and rebounds. One, One category worth looking at of course is free throw shooting for these guys capella is shooting uh, only 47 percent from the line but that's on 3.1 attempts per game whereas gobert is at 61 percent but he's at 5.8 attempts per game he gets fouled a lot more just because he's he's so hard to stop once he gets it uh at point blank range but uh you know you got to give the edge to capella i think just because of the offense that that both guys are in Capella is on the Rockets and they're averaging over 120 points per game while Utah is averaging less than 106 points per game. So Capella just gets those extra touches, more possessions and more points. And he's been rebounding the ball at a career high rate. So give Capella the edge, but obviously Gobert is still a stud when it comes to boards and blocks and field goal percentage. So I want to ask you, because Capella is, uh, among the group of centers that you ranked, he is number four right now in Basketball Monster in in per-game value uh, among this group. And so you have him seventh. And I know you're a big Clint Capella guy. So ranking him seventh, is it more that you think that Capella's numbers might regress a little bit, or is it just that uh, Aiton is a guy that you know hasn't hardly played, and Jokic is a guy that maybe you think is going to improve and and be better, or uh, like where where is that? I mean, it's not a huge difference, four to seven, but uh, I'm just curious if you which which way you're kind of leaning on that. Sure. Well, there there has been uh, several games where Capella has had played really high minutes, and I would maybe expect that to come down, even though his his um, Season average is still at 33, which is a little bit less than what he played last year. But that was kind of uh, because early in the season he wasn't playing as much. But since then, he's he's played a lot in some games. And I would think Houston wouldn't want to push him too hard. But then again, they don't have much depth. Um, his, his boards and blocks are definitely a lot higher than what he's shown in the past. Um, and... You never know if uh, Westbrook's going to come in and start stealing more of those rebounds. But, uh, yeah, he could he could very easily outplay Jokic, but I am still expecting Nikola to, to pick it up a little bit. But I would be a little concerned still if I yeah. had Nikola. Yeah, he's got the track record that uh, affords him a little longer leash, I think. Um, all right, moving on. Another guy I know you love, uh, Montrez Harrell, and he's at, I believe, number nine for you. Nikola Vucevic is number 10. So this isn't really a, a comparison like it is Rudy Gobert and Capella, since these guys are pretty different. And and Harrell's coming off the bench, but he's he's bringing you know, different numbers than Vucevic is. Why don't you talk about these two guys as well? Sure. I, I, I still put Vuce in the top 10, even though he's injured right now. And, uh, you know, his stats have been pretty solid, but still disappointing compared to last year and compared to where he was drafted. And I think it's a interesting case study because Vucevic was a beast, beast last year, and that's because Orlando's offense kind of ran through him. So he averaged over 20 points a game, got lots of assists, and obviously he's a good shooter for a center. But uh, his he's not 
been nearly as efficient this season. His field goal percentage is way down. He's kind of dealing with uh, like a guy like Jonathan Isaac kind of stepping up and taking on a bigger role. And uh, so the people who drafted Vucevic early on are kind of, uh, you know, wondering why why that's happening, right? Whereas a guy like Montrezl Harrell fell pretty far in drafts, uh, and I was kind of surprised, and obviously that happens because he's not not one of their main guys. But at the same time, that's what allows him to be so successful and effective is that he gets to play off of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, and he just feasts uh, in the paint playing <laughs> off of those yeah. guys. And, you know, it's uh, easy to see why he's effective when you look at his uh, athleticism, his motor, his his skill set alongside those other guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a huge Harold fan, and I, I think he legitimately deserves all-star consideration this year when you kind of look at the options. Um, it might it might come down to like him versus Gobert and uh, and guys like that, but I think he at least deserves some consideration. Yeah, I wonder if they would be willing to go, you know, like a third Clipper. Um, you can assume Paul George and Kawhi will be there. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. Well, that's your top ten, and uh, we're going to dive into the second half of your list in just a second, but. Uh, First, I got to tell you about Stock X. Have you ever wondered how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is Stock X, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Basically, works like a, a stock market. Uh, millions are already using Stock X to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kith. Uh, looking to add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? Or maybe you're feeling nostalgic for a pair of Air Max 95s? You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. So if you want in on all the hype, check out StockX.com backslash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com backslash bball. Check that out today. And We'll also check out the second half of your top 25 centers. Eric, we're going to go back to another uh, showdown of two guys. You have an 11 and 12. These are the shot blockers. Hassan Whiteside and Miles Turner. Whiteside getting getting run there in Portland uh, with Nurkic out. Miles Turner, uh, a guy that you were lower on than the industry or a lot of people going into the season. Uh, this is your chance, Eric, to take a little victory lap. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, I, I don't need to take a victory lap, but I, I want to point out that this is uh, a case of how shot blocking is a very tricky category. And so last year, Turner led the league in blocks, 2.7 blocks per game. Whiteside was under two, just just at 1.9. Um, and obviously, Turner does other things. He makes threes. He shoots it pretty solid from the free throw line. But but people, you know, were very excited about the, you know, getting nearly three blocks per game from a guy who doesn't hurt your free throw percentage. And so Miles Turner was a popular pick in the 20 to 30 range. And Whiteside is, you know, not a, exactly a fan favorite and uh, was demoted last year for Miami. And he often fell to the 60 to even 90 range. I think I saw him fall to like 85 maybe was the furthest I saw him fall but uh, 
you know, right now Whiteside has been the better player. So Miles Turner's blocks are down and down to 2.2. Hassan's blocks are up to 2.2 because he's getting more playing time. But uh, you know, blocks blocks are tricky. Uh, they're they're definitely not as uh, reliable stat compared to other stats, and we've seen big drastic drops before. Whiteside himself led the league with a pretty monster 3.7 blocks per game back in 2015-16, but then that plummeted to just 2.1 the year after. And I I think I remember drafting him uh, a couple a couple times that year, the year after he led the league. And, uh, you know, even, even Eric Spolstra had, had trouble explaining the, the massive drop because our reporters would ask him about that. And, you know, part of it is, uh, teams shying away from attacking him. And, you know, part of it is him trying to play more sound defense, not just trying to hunt for blocks. Right. But uh, you know, it, it also we we saw with Serge Ibaka, he also blocked three point seven that uh, blocks per game in two thousand eleven twelve. That was his peak, but then the year after he fell to three point then two point seven, and then he's been under two blocks per game every year since. And so, maybe it is just that uh, guys have that narrow window for their really elite shot blocking years, or other other factors that come into play but uh it's definitely one of the trickier categories like you're not going to see andre drummond go from averaging 17 rebounds this year to just 11 rebounds next year right like it's a much more consistent stat and so just uh just a reminder to the people out there to not just once they see a a a huge shot blocking year from someone to assume that they're going to do the same thing next year yeah, that's interesting. You know, and it's funny, uh, like you mentioned, where these guys were typically drafted, and they've almost, you know, they've almost flip flopped in in the returns. Like Whiteside's been right around a top thirty guy, and and Turner's been down in that that range that you said that Whiteside was being drafted at. Uh, based upon that, like, do you think, and you know, on Whiteside in a couple months they'll have Nurkic back in Portland, like? Even though you have Whiteside rated one ahead of him, do you think like it's a sell high opportunity on Whiteside and maybe a buy low opportunity on Miles Turner, or um, you feel like what you're seeing right now is what you'll still be getting uh, a couple months from now? Right, uh, I would, I would not be trying to buy low on Miles Turner. Definitely, I mean, all of the reasons why I pointed out why I wasn't super high on him at the beginning of the year still apply, which is that. He's never been a great rebounder, and Sabonis is the one just gobbling up all the rebounds. Indiana has a very balanced scoring attack, and you kind of uh, you're seeing that kind of different scores leading uh, the team each night. Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. Warren, Jeremy Lamb, Sabonis, obviously. So he's just not a go-to scorer in that system. And then, of course, Oladipo is going to come back. I don't really see that helping Miles Turner. But I also wouldn't say that Whiteside is a sell high because um, Nurkic and uh, Zach Collins are still months away, and I think they're going to bring those guys back slowly, especially Nurkic, given uh, that he had a serious injury and he's such a big dude that uh, they're probably not going to play him on back-to-backs, I imagine, when he comes back. So uh, 
you know, they need they need Whiteside in there, especially uh, they just guaranteed Melo's contract for the rest of the season. Good for him. He's uh, he's kind of played better than expected. But, you know, when you have an offensive-minded player like that, and then, of course, uh, Dame and CJ are known for their offense as well, not so much their defense, they really need Whiteside in there to protect the paint and kind of cover up uh, those guys. So I think uh, Whiteside should continue doing what he's doing as long as he can stay healthy because he has missed some games as well due to various injuries. Yeah, Portland's an interesting team. They're not playing as well as a lot of people thought yet, but they, you know, um, they I think are capable and they have enough talent there that they can make a nice run um, as the season progresses. But uh, all right, so that's the top 12. It's basically the first half of your top 25, and we're going to want to encourage people to go to the athletic and read the rest of it. So we won't just basically go uh, all, through all top 25 uh, centers that you have laid out, Eric. But let's at least, uh, as we look at the second half of your top 25, why don't you give me a couple centers in that group that you see uh, sort of trending up right now? Guys trending up, I got uh, Steven Adams and Mitchell Robinson. So Adams is a guy I drafted several times, and uh, he definitely had me concerned that first uh, <laughs> those first few weeks of the season. He got off to a really slow start, had some really bad scoring games, missed a couple of games to rest a knee injury he was shooting the ball poorly just did not look like himself at all but he's starting to look like the player that people envisioned when they drafted him uh over the past six games he's averaging 15.2 points 8.8 rebounds 1.8 blocks on a whopping 77 percent from the field 38 of 49 (laughs) shooting and i saw a really nice play that he made the other day where uh he got an offensive rebound, and uh, Sabonis, who's one of the top rebounders in the league and definitely one of the strongest dudes in the league, just kind of bounced off of him. And uh, Adams just grabbed that rebound and uh, dunked it emphatically for the putback. And uh, that kind kind of made me feel better knowing that Adams seems to be back. Hopefully the, the knee issue is in the past, but... Yeah, once again, for these giant seven-footers, it's you know it only takes one one small injury to kind of really affect them, and that's why uh, they're a little bit of a bigger in- injury risk, in my opinion, than other positions. So kind of f- fingers crossed on that. I'm just curious. Do you have any idea what uh, Adams' average distance of shot is? You mentioned that earlier with, with Jokic. Um, it's shooting 77%, I'm just – did you have any idea on that? Did you look at who the who the smallest average distance guys were? Oh, I have I have not looked at that. I would definitely guess I would definitely guess that Rudy Gobert is um, <laughs> right up there. The, I, I just pulled up Adams. He is at um, three point seven feet. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> That's not, that's not, that's like a third. He does take a, a few more, you know, those uh, floater kind of shots in the from like six, seven feet away. Clint Capella is at 2.6 feet per shot, and Rudy Gobert is at uh, 2.0. Okay, so you're probably right. I don't know. If anybody's under two, that takes a decent amount of shots anyways. That's uh, that's getting pretty point blank there. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. I was just curious when the guy shoots 77% from the field, you assume it's there's a lot of point blank shots there. Uh, 
definitely that's been the case, but still impressive number. Why don't you uh, give us your lowdown on, on Mitch Robb here? Yeah. So Mitchell Robinson uh, definitely has been a disappointment this season. In the article, I mentioned his, uh, his foul issues, which is disappointing because most players like most big men struggle their rookie season with foul trouble, but they usually show improvements in that area in their second year, just being more, more aware of uh, what refs are going to call, um, how, how players, uh, you know, they should be more, more aware of their opponents that they're guarding and not as picking up as many offensive fouls, but his, his fouls have actually gone up on a per minute basis uh, from 5.7 fouls per 36 minutes to 6.6 fouls per 36 minutes this season. And that's that's not a good sign. But I think he is starting to show signs. Um, last Monday, he grabbed a season-high 14 rebounds, followed that up uh, on Thursday with uh, tying a season-high with 17 points, and he actually played 30 minutes without picking up a single foul, which was quite wow. quite shocking and uh, <laughs> um, very very uh, encouraging for him. But uh, I mean, the Knicks just need to let the kid play, let him play through his mistakes. He's obviously going to make mistakes. He's still really young, but the Knicks don't have anything to play for, so they may as well try to build up his confidence, try and get him more comfortable on the floor. And, uh, you know, they're starting Todd Gibson. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it is better for Mitch coming off the bench, but they just need to play him as much as possible. So if you have, if you draft a Mitchell Robinson, I'd say, you know, keep your head up. You know, he should improve and don't, don't sell low on him now. Just kind of uh, hang in there. And I think his, his numbers will start to trend up. Better days ahead. Uh, all right. Well, so those are two guys that you see going up. Let's, let's do the reverse now. Uh, a couple guys that you uh, ex- are kind of anticipating their stock is going to be heading in the wrong direction. Give me a give me a couple of guys that might fit that description. So some Sanders trending down are Thomas Bryant and Rashawn Holmes. Bryant was having a solid season. Nothing spectacular. His stats don't exactly jump out in any particular category, but kind of uh, doesn't really hurt you anywhere. And uh, But now he's injured, has a stress reaction in his right foot. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks. But uh, one concern that I have is that Washington has uh, other young big men that they would love to develop. Mo, Mo Wagner has, has had a very nice season for them. He's been super efficient. Rui Hachimura is deserving of more minutes. First round pick this year. Uh, they're starting to ramp up his minutes now that Bryant's out, and he's kind of responding. Uh, has had some nice scoring games recently, and uh, they'll want to keep playing those guys. So uh, that's somewhat uh, uh, worrisome for Bryant owners because they might uh, be very careful of bringing him back, and he might not play as many minutes as he was getting. And uh, Holmes for Sacramento, I mean, he's been the Kings' best big man this season easily. He took over that starting role from Dwayne Dedman. But uh, the cause uh, for concern there is that Marvin Bagley's going to be coming back from his fractured thumb very soon. He's been cleared for contact, so maybe in the next week, I would say, he'll be coming back. And, um, you know, you can make the case that Holmes has been more effective than Bagley. or, or will be more effective this season because Bagley is still a young and raw player. But, 
you know, Bagley is so important to Sacramento's future that they'll they'll want to play him and they kind of have to play him. And uh, even if Bagley and Holmes are Sacramento's two best big men, they won't want to play those guys together for long stretches because they're going to have some serious floor spacing issues with those guys. They're very similar players, kind of high motor, athletic big men. You know, Bagley has more of a more of a shot, a uh, better outside shot than Holmes does, but still not super reliable. And that's actually why Dwayne Dedman began the season as the Kings starting center, because he was a better complement to Bagley as that uh, floor spacing big man. And then once Bagley went down, that's when they decided to put Holmes in the starting lineup. Uh, I would say that Holmes should still be useful in leagues that start two centers uh, and that he should still uh, maintain like some low-end value in deeper leagues, but uh, his minutes in production are definitely going to start declining, I would think, and I would try to sell high if you can, if you still can. It's interesting on the Kings because they're 11th in the West right now, and you, you're saying that you know Bagley's more important for their future, but would they – would they be willing to take a worse record this year by playing Bagley more if they knew that Holmes gave them a better chance to win now? Are they not that you think they're not going to be that motivated to try to s- slip into the one of the last spots of the playoff seeds? Oh, they would love to make the playoffs, but I also think Bagley is not he's not that raw where he's going to hurt you when he's on the floor and I also think his upside is that high where they do need to play him like you you they have to play him 25 plus minutes a game, in my opinion, just to to keep that that upward uh, momentum for him as a as a top prospect. Okay, all right. So you know, off, off the top of this list, uh, I we mentioned talked about the fact that there's some center eligible guys that uh, didn't make the list because you have them lumped into the power forward group. And coming up this. This coming week, you're gonna you're gonna be ranking the forwards and the guards, starting with the forwards first. So, uh, one guy that didn't make the center discussion is Anthony Davis. He gets lumped into the forward discussion. So, before we end this podcast, Eric, what, how about we give a little uh, dangle a carrot out uh, for the people for next week and what they can expect to see uh, from the forward rankings? And so, if I were to throw out, you know, Anthony Davis is in your group, LeBron's have and and. Giannis are having MVP type level seasons. Um, I'm imagining those guys are going to be some of the first people you're talking about in your forward rankings. How are you? Uh, how are you looking at these guys, and how are you kind of differentiating them in terms of your rankings? Right. Yeah. Very, very worthy uh, guys for that top spot. Uh, the Lakers and Bucks are dominating the league right now. Uh, 19 and three records. Lakers on top in the West. Bucks on top in the East. Um, and uh, that that might be um, cause for concern uh, with those players starting to have more uh, rest days. I would say the one of those three that I worry most about missing games would be Anthony Davis, just because he's been. Uh, probable with his sore shoulder for for so many games, and he keeps he keeps playing. But you figure at, at one point that's going to catch up to him, and the Lakers will be wise to start resting Davis and or LeBron against uh, easier opponents. And the Bucks could do the same with Giannis, but of course he's he's the younger guy of that group and uh, hasn't had uh, any health issues yet this season. 
And so I would go with Giannis out of those three for the rest of the season if I had to pick one, even though his stats haven't been quite as good. And the main thing that's holding him back has been his free throw shooting, right? He's under 60%, but I would expect that to normalize. He's been over 70% from the line the previous five seasons. He's averaging a point per minute, just just stuff in the stat sheet, you know, pulling down tons of rebounds and uh, shooting at a super high efficient percentage from the field, helping the helping his teammates make the game so much easier for his teammates. And uh, I would I would go with Giannis over LeBron and Davis if I had to pick one for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I knew that you mentioned Giannis and his free throw shooting. He's getting to the line 11 times per game, which leads the league. And so he's returning the biggest negative value in free throw uh, percentage in fantasy by a long shot. So as you mentioned, if he gets back to his more of his career rate, um, he shoots up the rankings quickly uh, for fantasy purposes. All right, let's do one more uh, forward teaser here. Uh, let's throw in, uh, let's go Paul George. Pascal Siakam and Jimmy Butler uh, is guys. I think you're lumping pretty closely together. And uh, how are you, how are you basically differentiating these guys? Right. So based on what they've done so far, I would say, but Butler has the, has the edge from this group. Um, he's uh, right behind Ben Simmons in steals per game. Second in that category, he's, uh, I believe, 15th in assist. And, uh, you know, just very reliable scorer. And he's a huge free throw per percentage booster. He's shooting over 85% from the line on 8.6 attempts per game. And uh, he's he's just played great for Miami and the Heat are surpassing expectations. Um so Butler definitely deserves a shout out. Paul George has been on fire for the Clippers. He's making four trays per game on over 42% from three and uh, nearly 93% from the free throw line. But the thing with Paul George is that because the Clippers are so deep, he's only been playing 30 minutes per game. Of course, they've been kind of careful uh, bringing him back from his shoulder injuries but George has topped 34-plus minutes only once so far this season, and he's still been super effective in fewer minutes, but that's definitely a, a drawback for him if that continues. And so of those three, I will, I'll take Pascal Siakam, the guy that uh, I drafted a ton, and maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, hoping <laughs> he continues to get the job done. But so comparing him to Paul George, Siakam has actually played 34 plus minutes in 16 of Toronto's 20 games thus far. And so that just shows how much they need him on the floor, how important he is to their team. And, uh, you know, one might be concerned about his usage and shot attempts going down with Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka just coming back from their own injuries. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, it just makes life easier for Pascal uh, he's had a couple of he had a couple of down scoring games when those two guys were out because defenses were able to really focus on him. But obviously Lowry's a pretty deadly three point shooter. Ibaka's a somewhat proven scorer, and uh, yeah, with with teams not being able to focus so much on Pascal, I think that'll continue to uh, allow him to be successful. The efficiency should start to climb again, and uh, he's just d- doing everything for the Raptors. So he's my he's my pick out of those three. 
Yeah, I, I I love Siakam, and he's only 25 years old, and you can he's kind of at the point in his career where you can envision him being able to log serious minutes. Um, doesn't have a lot of tread on the tire, uh, you know, has a lot of tread on the tire still. So uh, there you go. So that is a kind of a sneak peek at what to expect from the forward rankings coming up next week with Eric. He'll do those uh, next week, and then the guards will be shortly after that. Before we check out of here, Eric, uh, what are you watching this weekend? Oh, there's some really good games tonight. Uh, Friday night, Nuggets at Celtics tonight, and the Clippers at Bucks. Definitely excited to see those two teams, one of the mm-hmm. top teams in the West against one of the top teams in the East. And then, uh, of course, the showdown with uh, Kawhi and Paul George going against Giannis. See how that how that shakes out. And then Sunday, definitely a game to check out is the Raptors playing at Philly. See, uh, see if the 76ers can step up now that Toronto's at full strength. Uh, that rematch of uh, that series last year should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee team and the and the fans will have that the memory of Leonard's uh, you know corner three that hit like basically every part of the rim in their in their playoff series last year. It's fresh in their mind still, so uh, that'll be fun to watch for sure. Uh, all right, Eric, thanks, uh, man. That was it was good stuff, and we'll do it again next Friday. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at at Brandon Funston. You can check Eric out at Roto Evil. And if you want to get more on the centers that we were talking about today, Eric's got his top 25 centers on the athletic, on the fantasy hoop site. So check that out. And if you want to get 40% off a subscription to the athletic, just go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. Of course you can, uh, with that access, you get all the, uh, all the NBA podcasts as well. So if you're a big NBA guy, there's a ton of podcasts for you to enjoy. Uh, on you can enjoy those on iTunes and Spotify. And if you are liking them, we always appreciate that you leave us a quick rating and review. So uh, until next Friday, that's it for today. So please join us again on the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops podcast next Friday. Until then, have a great week. 